You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Attention, if you're an eastern whitetail hunter with dreams of hunting elk, antelope, or mule deer out west, but are overwhelmed with the knowledge gap, look no further than outdoor class. Outdoor Class features professionally produced courses taught by the world's leading outdoor experts and can be consumed on your phone, computer, or TV. Visit OutdoorClass.com and start the process of making your hunting dreams come true. Use discount code EMPIRE20 at checkout for 20% off. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today, we're going to be talking with Ev Terrell. Is it Terrell? God, he's, he meant he says it, but I, I mess it up every time. I think it's Terrell. Of uh, Code of Silence. And uh, half the company is based in Iowa, and half the company is based in Nebraska. And if you haven't heard of code of silence it is a brand new company for the most part it's brand new i think they've only been out a couple years and they are a camo apparel company and so uh, fleece and wool and uh, the demographic focus on this i guess would be like your tree stand whitetail hunter your your midwestern whitetail hunter uh, for conditions of cool to cold, uh, you know, that October to November time frame. And I was walking down the halls of the ATA and this product just kind of caught my eye because there's a lot of stuff on the market right now. And this is just my opinion at this point that I'm just not a fan of, whether it is from a dur- durability standpoint, whether it is from a design and construction standpoint or whether it is uh, from a uh, material standpoint like like obviously I'm a huge fan of wool and the benefits of wool and so I was walking by their booth I stopped I took a look at it and I go I can see myself wearing this type of uh, of gear and uh, and there's a story behind the camel pattern. There's a story behind the apparel. There's a story about his experience and how he jumped from 30 years at Cabela's to this position here, and or uh, to designing and creating this this uh, line at Code of Silence. And so it's a really cool story about a, a brand new company doing some really cool things. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get into today's episode, though. Uh, we got to do the commercial block here. And first off, I just want to say, please don't skip through these <laughs> because I know a lot of guys can hit that that fast forward 10 seconds button. But what this allows me to do is say, hey, listen, this many people are hearing this. That's how I make my money. And I know a lot of people probably don't care about that, but it's very important for me to be able to go to you know a potential partner or someone and go, hey, this is how this is this is the analytics I have. This is how many people are, are listening to this, and that just helps me out. Also, please go to iTunes, leave a five star review, let everybody know that you like the Hunting Gear podcast, and that the information coming out of the Hunting Gear podcast is beneficial. So, 
If you are looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. Tethered has a complete lineup of saddles, platforms, climbing sticks, saddle hunting accessories, everything that you need to get started in the uh, the saddle hunting game. But on top of that, and this is what, what I've been using recently, is I've been watching a lot of content surrounding saddle hunting and uh, the strategy and how to set up and how to tear down and how to position yourself properly and, and be comfortable while in the tree, not only on their website, but on YouTube as well. So they have a, a whole bunch of content that's beneficial. So if you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. Uh, if you are looking for a hunting app, whether you, you, maybe you already have one, but if you want the best whitetail focused hunting app on the market, right? You need to go check out HuntStand, HuntStand.com, read up on all the functionality, read up on the ability to interchange maps that allow you to see terrain or drainage, you know, how water drains through uh, the landscape. It allows you to find property owners, all that, all that stuff. Uh, it, it comes basic, but then if you really want to get into it, they offer a pro whitetail platform. And what that is, is it shows things like historic rut, uh, rut dates and maps. And it tells you, you know, where the rut kicks off certain times a year. And that allows you to plan your hunt and maybe even forecast some deer movement. They have a little bit of forecasting. They have a weather portion of all that. And so it's just a really good way to be in you can do your e-scouting you can journal you can you know basically be in the mindset of deer hunting all year round just at you know you know because you have an app on your phone so it's a huge any downtime is i, I pull up hunt stand i start messing around with it and last but not least we have the tacticam 6.0 brand new this year Go check out Tacticam's website. Go pull up the, the 6.0. If you love to document your hunts, uh, whether you want to screw it into your bow or you want to mount it to your gun, uh, the Tacticam has the ability to, to have 4K. It has image stabilization. It has an LCD screen so you can you know, review what you've uh, just, you know, just recorded. And so it's really, not only does it have the ability to allow you to check your shot you know like oh man after the hunt after I, I shot something I want to go recover it let's see where the shot was and that'll tell me hey uh, you know, was it a good shot was it a bad shot do I need to wait on top of that you can go home you can show this footage to your kids and say hey look what dad saw tonight or you know go show some buddies hey what do you think of this buck and uh, and you know just share share the memories and keep the memories so those are the commercials also please go check out 2% for Conservation. It is a, it's a conservation organization that lets you be in charge of where you put your time and your money. Uh, fishandwildlife.org, go check it out. All right, so let's get over to today's episode with Ev Terrell. All right, on the phone with me today from Code of Silence, Ev Terrell, how we doing? Hey, doing awesome. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. And so this this podcast uh, kind of started this uh, this year at the ATA show. And I'll be honest, I was walking down all of the uh, aisles, looking at uh, you know all of the products that are out and about, and some of the new stuff. And I kind of 
personally walked by your uh, your booth of Code of, Code of Silence, and it caught my attention in a very positive, bow hunter friendly way. And so I said, man, I got to, and then I stopped in the booth. I had a little conversation with you and some of the other guys that were working the booth. And, and, and here we are. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate you stopping by. It was good chatting to ATA. We had a great show and uh, a lot of people had similar experiences. I think of, you know, maybe not being familiar with the brand, but immediately being captivated and uh, intrigued with, you know, the relevancy of, of, uh, of what we're what we're bringing to the table yeah and it's also cool you guys are an iowa-based company correct well we're we're split a little bit there okay. actually dan so i'm actually in nebraska um my partner darren youngblood is in iowa okay um i you know i selfishly i wish i was in iowa um, <laughs> i get to hunt iowa about every four years and uh it would not be any it would not be hard for me to want to, or to hunt there every season if I yeah. had a chance. Yeah. I think that's uh, a comment that every hunter would, would like to make. Absolutely. So what part of Nebraska are you from? So extreme Western kind of lower panhandle. Okay. If you're familiar with Nebraska, we're not that far from Wyoming. I'm only about, well, it's exit 59. So we're just, you know, just under 60 miles from the Wyoming border. Okay. Um, kind of sit right above Colorado um, to the south. So this is this is the home of, of Cabela's is is what it's known for. And Sydney, yeah. I had, a, I had a past history with Cabela's that some people are aware of. I spent um, 30 great years there, and, and just for a variety of reasons, we're still here and like the town. It's small-town America, and um, there's a lot of good reasons to, to stay. And, and so – um, I'm, I'm happy and, and making the business work out of Sydney right now. That's awesome. Well, and, and you're also, I mean, you're not only in whitetail world, but you're also in that crossover area where there's both whitetails, mule deer, and I'm assuming there's some antelope as well. Yeah, actually Nebraska, um, you know, some people are probably going to probably cringe when I, when I, when I tell this story, um, for selfish reasons, you know, but Nebraska is a little bit of a sleeper antelope state. It's yeah. a little bit harder now to draw as an out-of-stater, but. I've it's probably, um, you know, my biggest passion, at least until the end of October is, is chasing antelope. And we have some fantastic opportunities for antelope out here, particularly archery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the tags, like you said, the tags are for Nebraska at this time, especially for archery are easy to get, not only for whitetail mule deer, but for antelope. Well, that's not actually accurate, Dan. So oh, it's not. It has okay. been it has been that way, but now they've capped the the antelope um, archery out of state tags at like two hundred and fifty. Okay, they literally sold out in about twenty minutes. Okay, which is a whole nother story. It was it was over the counter unlimited until I think I think two thousand twenty. Okay, and then they they had some challenges, so they've they've gone to this new rule. So it's. Um, they're obtainable. You just have to be on the spot and on the online um, when that when that opening yeah. window hits and you can get a tag. But anybody that's sleeping at the wheel is probably going to be out of luck. Yeah, uh, I I guess I I was referring to 2014. That was the, the first time I ever went and hunted Nebraska out west over in the Sand Hills out there, and I ended up getting um, uh, I got a, a 
a deer tag, an archery deer tag, and then an archery antelope tag. And I was able to get both of them over the counter, no issues. So um, lot, I guess a lot's changed since then. I, I have to remember how long that's been. Yeah, the deer the deer tags are still readily available. Yeah. Um, but the antelope, they, they had quite a change there. And we'll see if that changes long term. Uh, it's like I say, it's they're still available, and the ha- the hunting's fantastic. You just have to be in the front end and yep. and get online right away to to have a chance to have an antelope tag. Yep. All right. So you mentioned that you spent 30 years working for Cabela's and, and, uh, we, we don't need to educate the listeners on what Cabela's is, but what was your job at Cabela's? Well, for the majority of those 30 years, I was in charge of the hunting clothing area corporately. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did some different things. I, I spent some time in Canada when we opened the Canada operations and I, I worked in the brand management area, but um, for the most part, you know, 22 23 something like that years out of those 30 i spent um running the the hunting clothing area okay and so there is the crossover right um you you have this knowledge base in a clothing and apparel which i'm assuming helped uh cross over into this new path now 30 years for a company sounds to me like uh was this a is this like a did it start off as a pet project? Did it start off as, Hey, I want to quit. Or did you just retire and say to yourself, Hey, I want to keep going, doing something that I love. Well, I think it's, you know, um, sorry to be cliche, but it's sort of in your blood. Yeah. You you spend that much time, um, at a particular, uh, job or, or skill, you know, putting a skill set together. Uh, I left Cabela's, you know, and just after 30 years, you can imagine was, you know, great, a lot of success. And um, there was some transition in the, the ownership of Cabela's and it just seemed like a good time to do something different and very well networked in the industry, had some had some work I did with some variety of people I knew. And it really kind of, I would say it's a pet project, Dan, but like anything, you know, we did at Cabela's, it was always about need based, you know, it was no matter what you did, it, you were trying to fill a fill a hole in the need in the need side of the of the industry and you would think that after 30 years you'd think you'd have every every need covered but i really didn't feel that way particularly from a um technical end use i don't want to say bow hunting end use even though i'm i'm probably more passionate on that side you know bow hunting clothing sort of ambidextrous across rifle crossbow um, you, you, you get it. I mean, it's archery clothing works everywhere. Um, it's just, it takes a little bit special type product to, for really close range stuff. But anyway, as an archer, just really didn't think that there was a, a system out there that, that made everything come together at the level it should. Yeah. There was quiet stuff out there. There was warm stuff out there. There was well fitting stuff out there, good camouflage stuff out there, but really didn't think anyone was bringing it um, all together in a system that, as we say, has enabled hunters to be more successful in the field. And um, we just kept coming back to that, you know, as as much as could kind of get by with what we had in our arsenals is said, you know what, there's there's a there's an opportunity and a need um, for better. Yeah. And so did 
when were you still working for Cabela's when this uh, idea popped into your head, or was this something that happened after you left Cabela's? It happened quite a while after I left Cabela's. Okay. I left Cabela's in 2016. Okay. Um, so, and we really started putting this together in, in, uh, about 2020. Okay. All right. So, so that's when the companies, would you say that the, the concept and the, the birth of the business started in 2020? Uh, that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, you know, in theory started earlier than that, you know, it just, um, wishing it had better, wishing it had different, you know, started, you know, I think long before that. And then I think by 2020 just said, you know what, we need to get serious about this. We're going to do something and had a couple ideas and, um, it, it took, it took a while to make it come together. Yeah. It seems pretty simple now looking at it and it's like, how did we spend literally, you know, more than, more than two years to get to where we are. But, um, like anything, you know, that's done right. It, it, it's, it's not an overnight, um, type process. Yeah. And, and so when you're sitting there, you know, and you're like, God, I, I, you know, you've identified what you feel as a whole in the market. And you said, well, I know about this. I know about clothing and, and things like that. How, what was the tipping point where you ended up pulling the, the, the trigger, so to speak and saying, Hey, I'm going to start up my own company. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, several things, you know, I don't know if there was a, an aha moment necessarily. We had a, you know, Darren, if Darren was sitting here, he'd tell you similar stories, you know, but there was a couple, I guess, just eye-opening type experiences. I had a good buddy that was going back East and had a, literally a, a once in a lifetime opportunity to kill a, a world-class 200 plus inch deer that was on on camera a guy had been watching it and somehow he networked in to get a chance to go hunt this deer and he was saying i don't you know i got to get this right what clothing would you would you take and i was literally like well you know this one be really good but and this system is really good but if you want something that's really warm it's this and you know just through that that conversation it was like a real i guess reality check on the fact that there wasn't a go-to type clothing system that I was willing to endorse off the top of my head. And that translated into saying, you know what, if after spending 30 years in the industry and all my exposure and all the name brands that are out there and you know, the level of, of hunters that I hang out with and I don't have, I don't have a go-to, you know, it just, it made it real, Dan, to yeah. say, you know what, there's, there's something here. Let's, let's do it. And, um, it, it was encouraged. I think when, as soon as we started the conversation and said, we're going to get serious about this, we had a lot of people not jump on board, but to say, totally agree with what you're saying. Totally agree with the theory, the need, if you can, you know, it's even in our, one of our kind of many taglines of, 
the need for better is is obvious and um so with that in mind we we move forward all right so you you identified this gap or this hole you felt that you could fill uh based off of a conversation you had with a a guy who was heading east to hunt whitetails at that point there's a whole nother conversation, right? You have to be realistic. Like I don't, you, you don't just go in and you just don't start a company, right? You have to write it all out. You have to make a plan. You got to talk about material. You got to talk about um, the distribution chain. You have to talk about, you know, the, the construction of the product and, and what pieces you're going to bring to market. What did the, what did the next, I guess, once, once you pulled the trigger and said, I'm going to start a business, what did all of that look like? before you actually had a, uh, a prototype to, to mess around with? Well, you can imagine with my background, you know, I'd, I'd been down that road a few times on, you know, you identify a need in the marketplace and you say, you know, how are we going to fill it? Um, in this case, looking at it saying, you know, it was, it was more technical archery gear that was needed it was not just one thing though. It was, it was really about quiet. It was really about warmth. It was really about fit. Um, and it was really about camo as well. Um, and I know that sounds a little bit, you know, interesting, I guess, in that you say really after, you know, Jim Crumley, I kind of the grandfather of modern camouflage was started in 84, I want to say 85. And so really after, you know, that many years, um, we, we, there's a need for camouflage. We really thought there was, um, something different, even some of the higher end brands that were, you know, kind of toying with the space that we're talking about in the market really thought that, you know, one of the things they were leaving on the table was, was the concealment side. So it was about quiet. It was about warmth. It was about fit. It was also about function. And not crazy function, but just having the right um, storage, right, you know, accessory pockets, right features in the garments uh, or products, and then the right fit and then concealment. So those were sort of our big five. And so there's not a one size fits all. Oh, it's this, it's this fabric or it's, um, it, it was a process to say, okay, what what fabric fills this need, what, and went down that same path, I guess, to sort of check the box on all of those, which is part of the reason it took us, you know, two full years to, to get ready. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to, I want to talk about this camo, right? Because when you start a, a, a clothing company or a garment company or a camo company, however you want to uh, say it, you have two options. I look at it this way. You can lease a or uh, what do they call that license a camel pattern license, yeah. from like real tree or mossy oak or somebody else or you can come up with your own right and the interesting the interest you told me that there was like an interesting story behind the concept and the actual pattern that you guys have on your uh on your clothing so i want to hear that okay well yeah it's you know i i think probably without too many exceptions, you know, most camouflage designs out there are, are someone's baby, you know, they're, they're someone's theory or most typically their, their artwork or someone has gone in and 
designed a pattern to their their perception of, of what's going to work, which is great. Um, we really wanted this to be not our own pattern, but something that was scientifically based on on a system um, that would, you know, systematically blend into the woods as, as well as possible. So went through a long process of, again, going back to the fact that this is a primarily an, an archery type uh, system. And most archery hunting is, is done, you know, elevated from a tree. Um, we went through a process of saying, okay, well, if, if guys are hunting in a tree, what height are they at? And so we did a, a survey with a, a number of hunters across the country, mostly in the Midwest, and said, what's the average tree stand height that you're sitting at? And we came up with an average of 14.8 feet. You put a, a 17, I'm sorry, you put a six foot person in that in that 14.8 foot stand, mid height, they're at 17.8. And then we went into a variety of trees. We used a hundred trees. We wanted to be we didn't want to go crazy. We wanted to keep it practical, but we went into a hundred trees in five different varieties and looked at that. I'm going to round it up to 18 now at that 18 foot mark. What is the size of the branches and what is the uh, density of the, of the number of branches? And that drove the element composition in the pattern. So it's called S18, which is short for stand 18, but and I'll be I'll be honest, which I, I don't know any other way. You know, some of the trees we looked at have zero branches. They're a straight trunk. And some of yeah. them look like a, you know, literally a, an apple tree with branches going everywhere. And so this this pattern is still a, an average of, of those, you know, of the breadth between those two. But at least there's some there's some science behind it to create, you know, what is going to be the most um probable type design to fit in the surroundings that hunters are, are finding themselves in a tree gotcha uh and so there, there's a little bit of a, a method to the madness it's not just uh, you sat down with some colors and said hey i'm going to create a camel pattern exactly okay you know i could have done that and i've done that before in my career and it's just you know just really wanted this to to be objective yeah and and then at the same time, objective to the science of, of where people are sitting. And, you know, I, I sit pretty high in a tree dam. Yeah. I find myself, which is another part of the story too, uh, of why we did the camel. But I mean, I'm sitting 25 foot, sometimes higher um, for a variety of reasons, but it's not about me. It's about, you know, where hunters are at and, I have very few stands that are probably at 14.8 feet, but it just made sense to do this randomly on, on where hunters are sitting, not where ever where Darren are sitting. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So that takes care of the camo pattern portion of it. But when you guys started to come up with the material and then the material composition of how you were going to take, I don't know, multiple different types of fabrics and intertwine them and, and, and get your layering and things like that. What did that conversation look like? It's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll try to be as, as simple and concise here as I can. There's, there's a lot of things that went into this again. You know, if you remember me saying, I was trying to solve the quietness side, right. Um, trying to solve the warmth side. And then still camo is great, but we really wanted a different 
approach to camouflage aside from the design. Yeah. And the good news there, if I kind of bring those three pieces together, is that in creating a a quiet fabric or choosing a quiet fabric like we have in our in our two main shell fabrics, you end up with a very high loft. And that high loft gives you great light absorption versus a flat fabric, which which is if you ever go touch a you know a, a pet your dog when they're laying in the sun and feel how warm they are that their texture of their of their of their hide of their hair absorbs light which does two things it warms them but it also absorbs light from a camouflage perspective which everything in the woods does as well so trying to be concise here again but so in finding a fabric that was very high textured, it fed into the fact that um, the fabric was going to be warm, the high loft was going to make it quiet, but it was going to feed into the different level of concealment that we wanted as well. And shifting gears here slightly, but I would tell you that the high texture of our fabrics, not just the camo, is a huge part of why it conceals the hunter so well and why in fact why hunters are not getting the results out of camouflage that they've are probably entitled to in my opinion so again really had a trifecta there of hey you got a great new quiet fabric or fabrics they're also very light absorption absorptine um, that is going to help you on the on the on the warm side but more importantly, they're going to, it's going to dramatically help you on the concealment side. Okay. And, and yeah, it does. And, and so the other, the other is fleece and you guys do some wool. Was that like for me, now this is just personal. I've been bow hunting for a lot of years and I've, I've been through a lot of hunting gear and I've found that wool has an absolute awesome benefit to any type of hunter period right whether you're out west or whether you're sitting in a tree stand uh was wool and fleece and and integrating those always a you know were, were you always going to do that or did it start off as something else no i would say that <clears throat> again going back to the the bigger picture here slightly dan i was more focused on an organic type shell so wool being organic cotton being organic um polyester being synthetic so really wanted a organic based uh, type shell in, in my opinion from a camouflage standpoint or a natural standpoint and again sorry to be sort of cliche but you know natural is natural so if you're trying to look like the woods you know, the, the more polyester you use, the harder that's going to be. The more ink you use, the harder that's going to be. And so when you think of conventional camouflages that are typically high, high content poly, probably high tech, tech uh, high content ink, it's just the job of, of concealing you gets harder. So it was more focused on organics, which wool would be, and wool is my favorite as well. There's a lot of attributes of, of wool um, that are that are beneficial. And so, yeah, I think if we had a coach's kid in, in the organic side, it was definitely wool. 
And we started out with very high compositions of wool, but at the same time, everything you'll see us do, Dan, is 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 practical. Um, you know, if, if I if we'd have done a hundred percent wool, the durability of it would be suspect. The washability, dryability of it would be suspect. And so we really found a balance that we thought was between the concealment side, the affordability side, durability side, and the you know the the care of the product would work. And so that's where we landed. Um, I would probably would, would have a little higher content of wool if I had my choice, but I think you'd, you'd find the, the downside of that um, would be, you know, problematic over time. Yeah. Okay. So now here we are, you, you got the idea for the materials. You got the idea really for like the, the entire concept. And then you have to kind of, think about what garment specifically you're going to bring to market first or to test out. And I notice right now you guys what have three, almost three different systems, which to me looks like a, a warm, cold, cool, coldest, warmer, you know, there's three different levels, all, all having to do with temperature. How did you guys decide how to break that down and then also what garments to introduce into those specific lines? That's a great question. You know, it's white, whitetail hunting um, in, the, in the Midwest, which is really our focus right now. Um, tree stand scenarios, you know, in, in stationary scenarios. Uh, it, it can vary, you know, so much by, by time of year, obviously, and then temperature in, in those times of year, I mean, those particular times of the year. You know, I think everybody can relate and sitting on November 6th, I've sat in everything from 80 degrees to 10 below in the same state and the same tree stand. And it varies that much. And so it's not about just, oh, we're going to target this. We're going to target the rut. Well, what's that mean? You know, and, and further, it varies between Oklahoma and, and um, northern Minnesota, obviously. So we really had, you know, four series, four series to start with. We only introduced three of them, Dan, that you pointed out. But it was really a, you know, kind of a, a cool weather, colder weather, really cold weather and extreme cold. We, we opted to leave one on the side um, for some time and thought that the, that the lower two, the cool and the, and the colder and then the extreme cold kind of had it covered. So we'll see what happens with the, with the, with the four series. But anyway, so you have those three different, you know, uh, systems to match a variety of conditions and hunting styles to some degree, even though I said it's all about tree stand, there's, there's active tree stand hunting too, where you're, you're, maybe you're covering more ground like a, like a saddle hunter is, um, walking in farther. So our lower end, or our lower, our most, um, our lightest series is also more breathable. Um, so anyway, I just think about those three three series is really about designing the features and the function of those garments to match each of those um, basic temperature and and uh, climate scenarios. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so, you, uh, what were those first products that did that you that you brought to put prototype? Yep. So we have our, you know, our. our our most active series, our lightest weight series, is called the Vertigree series. Um, it was it was about creating some mobility in the garment, 
Um, so we've, we've left out, well, I hate to say it's not windproof. We have a, a, a very um, great performing wind product we call a wind seal that we use in our in the other two series. We left it out of, uh, of the Verdigree series just because we, again, we wanted it to be more mobile. It was uh, temperature ranges getting into the 40s and 50s. But even though it doesn't have that formal wind seal in it, go try to blow through it. I mean, in, unless it's, you know, blowing 30 out, you, you're going to say that stuff's highly windproof. Okay. Our, our fabrics, uh, our two main fabrics are just, you know, they're 300 gram fabrics. They're, they're tightly woven. Um, they're wool based. You know, they have a lot of just natural thermal properties to them without, you know, the, the adding other technologies. So anyway, we had the Verdigree series, which is the more mobile series, which is not windproof. In our middle series, we really wanted to hit what we thought the core hunter, whitetail hunter in the Midwest was, was finding themselves um, in. And some people say that's, you know, it's our core rut wear or our core, you know, kind of late October, November series. And that's probably fair. Um, it's, it's called our Zone 7 Versa series. Versa being a keyword because it's, it's built to layer under or wear by itself from a fit and function standpoint. And literally that series, it, this series does have a windproof layer in it. Um, but I've hunted in everything from five degrees to probably 50 degrees in that series. And then I'm layering, um, under it or not layering under it based on those conditions. Yeah. Okay. And so, and then the last, the last one that you have is the, uh, what, what cold fall? It's called the cold fall series and spelled F J A L L on fall. I am. Um, that was a name I always was intrigued with. Uh, it's actually uh, Scandinavian for mountain, so it's technically it says cold mountain. Um, yeah, that was a cool name, and it's it's the big dog. It's a it's a workhorse of cold weather clothing. Um, I'm very proud of that series. It's to me, it's the it's the heaviest clothing that you can still successfully bow hunt in, and I just sort of smile when it's zero out because I think I. I froze so much in my early hunting career in those conditions and still toughed it out anyway. And I put that series on and now when it's, you know, I've hunted down to 16 below in it and I'm talking about air temperature, not wind chill. And of course I'm layered up when it's that, when it's that cold, but I really feel like I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's that, it's that good. Yeah. And so in these three series, as of right now, it seems to be a, um, a top, a bottom, so a pant, a jacket, or a, a three-quarter zip, or a, and then a uh, uh, a stocking cap or gloves or something like that. Now, when it comes to br- coming out brand new, right? You have to, you can't launch everything at one time, right? So, my my next question that I have for you is as you guys progress are you guys going to be introducing a base layer so you become more of a one-stop shop instead of having you know people want to use your stuff but then also rely on another brand uh, for their base layers or socks absolutely you know we're we're very 
system oriented. You know, I, I think just by nature and I think whitetail hunters, as they mature in, in, in their sport, you know, start to put everything together in a, in a lineup and a system. And that's a, that's, that goes into packs, that goes into accessories, it goes into the way they carry their gear, the way they store their gear, the way they haul their gear, the way they control their scent. And, you know, having a complete system from, you know, next to skin to the outer shell is is definitely a, an obvious need and, and where we want to head. Same time, you know, can't do it all yeah. right now. And, and we're very, um, we're very committed to staying true to a few of our core, you know, um, performance values, the, the camouflage side, which I touched on earlier on, on the white absorbance, um, absorption side is, is key. It would be really easy to do base layer for us, for example, right now in a, in a synthetic and, and use a heat transfer print method, but you, it's not going to be where we want it. And so as we can develop products that deliver on our core performance values, absolutely we'll be all over them, but we're not going to do it just to do it um, without having a point of difference that's true to kind of what we stand for in the in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And so as you guys start to, you know, test out, you know, test out uh, some of this stuff, uh, did you guys ever have to go back to the drawing board and say, hey, listen, I, I don't like this, this prototype. Uh, I want to scrap it and start over or make some, you know, make some adjustments to get it to where it was ready for market. Yeah, only about 300 times yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the point of, you know, I have built, I could, you know, not patting myself on the back. I've arguably built more hunting clothing than anyone else ever has. And I've known a little bit for making changes and, and adjustments. I don't, I think I took it to a whole new level with this series. Um, the point of some manufacturers I've known for 30 years writing me emails in the middle of the night saying, I'm about done with you. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that laughingly. I mean, they weren't serious, but I mean, it was just like, you can't change this a hundred times of. And, and um, so I think we, we were very anal about, you know, having it perfect. And I still tell you, it's not exactly as, as perfect as I want it, but it's, it's, it, it's, really really close and it's really really functional and um but we're we're animal about it's the little things that matter i think you and i hope your listeners can relate to that it's 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 always the little things that 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 blow the you know shot of a lifetime or um things like that and we're really trying to take all those issues off the table and enable the hunter to be successful and uh, liabilities have no place in our in our system yeah that's awesome that's awesome all right so now uh you know when you you're creating these garments when you take it to to market the thought of who's going to buy this right who is your demographic so elaborate uh on who your demographic is and 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 what kind of hunting that you feel that they'll be doing okay that's a great question. You know, we, we look at the Midwest um, primarily in a stationary uh, environment sitting in a tree stand. So it's, you know, it, it's easy to talk about whitetails. That's our, that's our core focus. Uh, I yeah. think Darren and I are both highly, highly passionate in that arena. 
spend an awful lot of time doing that. Um, but I sure not drawing any lines either and saying, you know, and at the same time, you know, there's, there's, there's no geographic or sport limitations, species limitations on warm, quiet, um, well-fitting, great concealment and actually great value too. So core, you still have to deliver in a core market and the, and the, and the core consumer. So it's a guy sitting in a tree stand trying to shoot a deer in the, in the Midwest. That's what we know the most. And that's where we're focused, but huge halo. I think outside of that, I do a lot, a lot of varmint calling, for example, and the, the camouflage aspect, what I'm talking about is just a phenomenal asset when you're trying to get a educated coyote to stand there on a hill and, and hold still at 200 yards. I know that. Yeah. All right. And so as you, uh, as this demographic, you know, or as code of silence, you know, gets bigger and starts to grow and you make, you know, hopefully you guys make some money and you're able to start putting money back into the, you know, into the business and and expanding your lines. What do you feel is going to be, like the first products that you're going to address, you know, maybe here in 2023 or even leading into 2024. I appreciate the question, you know, and um, give you a little bit of a more elaborate answer than you probably expect, but Koto silence. I think it's easy to talk about the audible side, you know, everybody wants silence is, you know, what you hear Uh, for us. Silence is about, zero pressure or lack of pressure. So that's, that's audible silence, that's visual silence, that's about, um, you know, just being going unnoticed and unheard and, and, and keeping, you know, your, your hunting scenario as pristine and unpressured as you can. And so, you know, systems that deliver on that, whether it be, you know, scent systems, um, <clears throat> we have a backpack system we're introducing this year. I don't know if you saw that show or not, you know, that that's, it's, it's highly quiet, but it's, it's, it's very effective in, in carrying gear, rattling horns, climbing sticks, your, even your bow clothes combination, um, thereof into the woods in an effective, discreet manner. And so has our product lines have a lot to do with with overall stealth and so we're looking at packs now we're looking at accessories um we're actually talking you know, about other geographic markets too um you know I, I do an awful lot of stuff on the ground out here west and some of the visual advantages that we have in the line are probably more relevant when you get at eye level with the mule deer or an elk or an antelope and so we have some room to take the technologies into other geographics and, and other uh, species, uh, you know, types, type of um, scenarios. Gotcha. Awesome. Now, in regards to what you're currently offering, okay, if there's a guy out there who has been listening to this podcast, he's, in, he's intrigued uh, about, or maybe he's looking for a new camo setup or uh, some new clothing for this upcoming uh, deer season here in 2023, why should he consider Code of Silence? Great question. You know, I un, unplanned, unrehearsed answer. You know, which is kind of the way we roll. Um, it's it's about quiet. It's about warmth. It's about fit. It's about 
overall function and the, you know, gear storage. Uh, the concealment piece, even though it's cool, I mean, we get a lot of people that go, man, that's a cool camo. It looks really good in this picture. I would tell you that, you know, I don't try to advertise this because everything I just mentioned about the gear is true. It's, it's a great reason to buy it, and it's really where we started. The concealment side is off the charts. I am spent ridiculous number of hours and ridiculous number of years in a tree stand and the concealment aspect is is we outkicked our coverage on it we really did and we're actually patenting some of the the processes we go through on the light reflectance side right now and understanding that why that works better and i think longer term we're going to put a third leg on the on the stool of of concealment the two original legs really being color and pattern when you think about light absorbance, I think it's a really, really big deal. I, again, I, I tell anybody buy this stuff because it's awesome. It fits good. It's well priced. It's, it's super quiet, super warm, etc. But I'm like, wait till you get out in the woods and you don't get seen in it, and you'll shake your head and go, what's going on here? And it's a huge attribute to what we have, um, what we're del- delivering on. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Ev, man, uh, good luck. Hopefully, uh, 2023 is a huge, su- huge success for you guys, and you get the opportunity to uh, uh, get all that, get the new product line up and running for 24. And uh, if people want to find out more about Code of Silence and, and your line of camo, where should we send them? Yeah, it's codeofsilence.com, just like it sounds. Uh, just like it sounds. Uh, we have, you know, an awful lot of information about everything I've talked about today on there and the, the 22 lines available on the site right now, the 23 line, which we've more than doubled it, got into a lot of tall sizes, um, added an awful lot of new products, packs I mentioned, um, will be on the site, you know, kind of late spring or so, Dan. Yeah. Um, but I think there's an awful lot of good information that would expand on what we've talked about today. Awesome. All right, Ev, appreciate your time and good luck in the future, man. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time, Dan.